EHH Productions presents KB Cabaret, an original variety show, with your host, Bree Harvey. Hi folks, welcome to KB Cabaret. My name is Bree Harvey, head writer and producer of this show. KB Cabaret is a calabaloo of original skits, songs, poetry, and short stories. What's Calabaloo, you ask? Magic, from a child's creative imagination. I was five when I coined that word, and it's been around my family ever since. The settings originate from my hometown, Parlor City. And the stories originate from people Names, who characters, are... places, and incidents either are products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual events or locales or persons, living or dead, is entirely coincidental. Thank you, Bonnie. That, folks, obviously was my lawyer. Starring my friends, the Parlor City Players, Judy McMahon, Bonnie DeForest, Charles Berman, John Carey, John Montgomery, and myself, Bree Harvey. Welcome to our town, welcome to Parlor City, where our friends come, come out to play. When neighbors don't leave, they stay and chat a while. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. This time on KB Cabaret, we're happy to feature interviews and songs with musician and poet Ken Waldman. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. Mornings are a special time for me. My rituals are simple. A good cup of coffee, soft classical music, and a little daily feature in our local newspaper called Advice with Granny Ada. Dear Granny Ada, last month I was hired as an intern for a world-renowned architect in New York. I was her go-between, answered phone calls and letters, and picked up her laundry. She has been so kind to me, fair and resolute. Last week I gave her coffee, black, no sugar. When she took the coffee from my hand, our eyes connected, and I swear we had a moment. Since then, I can't stop thinking about her. I lay awake at night, dreaming about our life together on the beach and our two beautiful children, Joey and Bernadette. She is the one I've been looking for all my life. Our 15-year age difference doesn't matter, and I am sure she can get a divorce in under six months. So this is my question, Granny Ada. Is it too early to ask her to marry me now, or should I pop the question a few weeks after we start dating? Signed, So In Love With Mrs. Wright. Dear In Love, how delightful. Already naming your two babies, Bernadette and Joey. I bet you're probably planning their bat and bar mitzvahs as well. You know, sometimes I think I've read everything on my column, but your letter is icing on the proverbial wedding cake. Getting married? Divorce? Honey, I bet she doesn't even think about you when she cleans out the kitty litter box. There is a psychological term for being spellbound by authority. It's called transference. But you, dearie, are letting transference go to warp speed. Getting married to a married woman after a month of working for her? <laughs> My head is still spinning on the lack of maturity on your part. My advice is... Swallow a chill pill and walk away. You need to start meeting available people your age. Don't worry. Your eyes will lock with Miss Wright 
over a church activity or a dance social. Date a while, test the waters, and then plan together on Joey and Bernadette's bright future. Thank you for writing, honey, and have a nice day, Granny Ada. Where is everybody? I don't know. I don't understand Beulah lately. She's become spotty on her commitment to the show. Well, she is going through a difficult time. I know, but even when she traveled, she managed to call in. You're right. Well, what do you want me to do? Hmm. Okay, I I suppose we just have to do the recipe segment ourselves. Okay. On what? Hmm. What's that? My lunch. Yeah. Liverwurst sandwich with Limburger on a toasted everything bagel. Oh, really? It's better than it sounds, really. Have a bite. No, no, I think I'll pass. But you did give me an idea. Pate, liver pate. My mother used to make it on special occasions. Like this special occasion? Exactly. Okay, on with the show. Three, two, one, cue music. What's cooking? Well, today we have a special treat. I am making liver pâté. Liver pâté? Oh, I could eat that all day. (laughs) Funny, Debbie. Did you make that up all by yourself? No. I think I heard that in a movie or something. Yeah, well, anyway, my mother used to make this because she wanted me to like liver. Did it work? Actually, it did, because the pâté had a mild buttery taste to it. So how do you make it? I'm glad you asked, Debbie. It's really easy, and you can make it weeks ahead of time by putting it into the freezer. Aha! Mother always told me to find the lighter color liver. Why is that? Because it has more fat content and will taste less bitter. Oh. Debbie, didn't you put the phone on silence? I forgot. Hi, you have reached BHH Productions. Your call is important to us. Please leave your name and number so we can call you back shortly. Wait for the beep. Bree, I'm so sorry for not coming to the recording. I was a little preoccupied. You have two minutes, lady. Oh, Bree, you're my only phone call. If you're there, pick up. Beulah, what's going on? Oh, Bree, it's just a little old thing. A misunderstanding, really. You're in jail? Well, yes. Both Leon and I are in jail. For what? Well, apparently you can't go barefoot in the park like they say you can. Excuse me? Well, technically the fountain is in the park. Wait, what? Well, I I suppose we bared more than our feet. Where are you? Where are we, officer? Ninth District in Poughkeepsie, New York. You're in Poughkeepsie? Yes. What are you doing in Poughkeepsie? It's a long story, Bree. And my time is apparently just about up. Is there a bill? Yes, Bree. $5,000. Oh, great. I can't wait to hear this one. Debbie, would you please take over here as a nice officer in Poughkeepsie for Beulah and Leon's bail money wiring instructions? I need to finish up here. Okay. Yes, officer. I have a pen. 
Well, folks, make sure you have plenty of cognac for this wonderful chicken liver pate recipe. You're going to love it when you're waiting in a, um, I mean, arrested, uh, for Pete's sakes, just spread it in the Poughkeepsie Panini Crisp and say, I finally like to eat liver. Find this and all of Beulah's other amazing recipes exclusively on our app. Go to our website at kbcabaret.com. That's K-B-K-A-B-A-R-E-T dot com and download yours today. Did I just say Poughkeepsie Panini Crisp? Honey, it's time to walk Mitzi. It's beautiful outside. Let's go. Forget it. I hate that dog. Always barking and making a mess and eating the furniture. You want to take her on a walk? Good. Let's walk her over to the pound and leave her there. Don't take your frustrations out on poor Mitzi. She's just being a dog. Now come on outside and enjoy a nice walk. Okay, but you hold the leash. That dog's always trying to pull me into a ditch. I think she wants me dead. She senses your hostility. She's very sensitive that way. Sensitive? Give me a break. She's not some neurotic, suffering human being. She's a damn dog. Don't be so loud. I don't want the whole neighborhood to know what an animal hater you are. I'm not an animal hater. In fact, right now I'd love to see a giant bow constrictor come along and give Mitzi a big hug. Stop it. Mitzi's going to get a complex. Mitzi's going to get a complex. If you only knew how ridiculous you sound. Ow! She just peed on my shoes. Get away from me, you fat, stupid wench. How could you say such a mean thing about our Mitzi? Everyone in the entire block must have heard that. Now you've done it. Here comes Mrs. Clyburn. I can't believe my ears. What kind of vile man are you? Calling a poor, defenseless dog a fat, stupid wench. You should be ashamed of yourself. She peed on my shoes. Well, of course she did. You got her so upset she lost control, you poor dog. Everyone's so upset about the poor dog. What about my poor shoes? Always thinking of yourself. You poor woman. How do you put up with this atrocious behavior every day? You must be a saint. Oh, well, yes. Will you two stop hyperventilating? I called the dog some names. So what? So what? Why, you've hurt that poor dog's self-esteem. She'll never get over it. I'm going to call the Animal Protection Agency on you. Good. See what you've done. Now the authorities will deal with you. I should have turned you in myself long ago. I can't believe this. We're talking about a dog here, ladies. A poor, sweet, innocent dog who's scared and lonely. Man. Hello, I'm the Animal Protection Officer. We just received a call about an incident involving cruelty to animals. That's right, officer. My husband has insulted our dog. And he did it in such a degrading manner. He called her a fat, stupid wench. Is this true, sir? (laughs) Yeah, but... That's a violation of the Animal Protection Municipal Code. I'm going to have to write you up. Ha! I told you not to be so mean to poor Mitzi. This is crazy. I yelled at a dog because she peed on my shoes. It's not a crime. See, officer, he admitted it. Now throw him in jail. Yes, I think a bit of time in the tank would make him see the light. Are you all nuts? Throw me in jail? We are still living in America, aren't we? Yes, we are, but unfortunately, I can't put a man in jail for yelling at a dog. Ah, 
Finally, someone's showing some sanity around here. But what I can do is take Mitzi to our shelter and try and find some new owners who will be more supportive and understanding of this poor dog's emotional needs. Wait a minute. You're going to take Mitzi? That's right, ma'am. You said yourself your husband has been mean to the dog. How can we leave her in such an environment when there are much more deserving owners out there? But, but she's my dog! Sorry, ma'am. Rules are rules. Come on, Mitzi. Your long nightmare is finally over. Wait! This has been a misunderstanding. He didn't call Mitzi a fat, stupid wench. He said that about me. Well, that's very different. Well, that's for sure. You must be a very sick woman to project your inadequacies on this poor dog. I apologize, sir. I feel sorry for you being married to such a self-absorbed woman. Well, it has been tough. Well, there's no need for me to be here. Good day. And madam... Your husband is a point about the wench remark. And don't be walking by my house anymore. I don't want a wench like you anywhere close to my property. Goodbye. Well, that was interesting. You owe me. What do you mean I owe you? You're the one who almost got me thrown in jail. Me? You started the whole thing by yelling at Mitzi. And I saved you from the wrath of the animal protection officer. Not to mention that nosy Mrs. Clyburn. Yeah, now they both hate you. Aren't you going to apologize for calling me a fat, stupid wench? I didn't call you a fat, stupid wench. I was talking about the dog, remember? That's what started all this drama in the first place. Oh, yeah, I forgot. That seems like such a long time ago. Let's go home. Come on, Mitzi. You've had a tough day. She had a tough day? Well, what about me? Oh, you poor baby. And I don't want you to walk into the house with those disgusting shoes on. Wench. What did you say? Stench. Stench my shoes. What a stench. in studio with a very, very talented and motivated gentleman. His name is Ken Waldman, and he is part of a whole production company, which is called Nomadic Productions, and he has his own performances. He gets other bands together. He goes on tour all over the world, three quarters of the year, practically. He is the poet of Alaska, from what I have read. Um, Welcome. Welcome, Ken, to our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It is such a pleasure to have you. You are a unique talent. Uh, You play string, fiddle, um, you have uh, mountain music, old American music, folk music, sure. bluegrass. Yep. But there's a twist to it. The music I've been listening has poetry within the song. And it's not sung, it's spoken. Where did you come sure. up with this? I mean, is this something that you are using from old historic times? Or is this just a style that you developed? Well, it's something that when I started playing, let's see how to put it, when I started playing fiddle in my 20s, I was not so great on the instrument. What can I say? I was playing, but I kept at it. I was stubborn. And as I kept playing, I started in North Carolina. I was in Seattle. And then I moved up to Alaska to get what they call an MFA in creative writing. And I was writing stories, uh, fiction. And then I started writing poems. And one of the things I started writing poems about was about uh, the fiddle playing and and when I started getting better on playing fiddle and started doing live events, it made sense to combine poetry with the fiddle playing 
and at first I was doing solo shows. And it's one thing to play a fiddle tune. It's another thing to do a poem about fiddle playing, but I thought it would be better or uh, more dynamic to do a poem about playing fiddle and then play a fiddle tune with it. And as I kept on over years, what ended up happening is I had people join me. I wrote more poems about the music. And it all kind of, you know, 20 years on, this is what you get. You know, somebody who's traveling around and doing shows with lots of different people. You are a writer. You're also a teacher. And you've published your poetry, have you not? Yeah, I, I have one of those MFA in creative writings. I have six. I guess I just had a seventh poetry collection come out. I have a memoir, kids' book, and I'm trying to get published a novel, a story collection. I've had poems and stories in lots of literary journals. I mean, I think, in fact, I'm, I'm primarily a writer who also was able to play fiddle at a level that I can uh, you know, record, perform, and play with people who are pretty wonderful. But mm. it, the writing, I think without the writing, I wouldn't be going around. But also without the fiddle, I wouldn't be going around. Mm. I have them both. You go to schools, you travel, you tour over the country. You, as I said, you bring other talents together. You actually uh, have square dancing as well? Uh, occasionally with square dancing. I'm, that's not my strength. I, I know people who are much better as dance fiddlers, but I, I do a lot of work in schools everywhere from elementary schools and even working as young as kindergartners, first graders, but also middle schools, high schools. I'm a visiting writer at universities. So it's a mix. It depends who I meet, what their budgets are, and how we can talk about having me go you know, to a place and make it. The uh, programs, especially with the schools, are interdisciplinary, both music and with the writing, it's a combination I'm actually able on occasion to sell because it's part of the curriculum with the writing, but also with the music. It is truly appreciated uh, how you are diverse, but you also are a giver. I truly think that's oh. what I would like to consider. You are a giver because you give from your soul. Any poet, any writer doesn't just write. They write from within, and it comes out through words, music, pictures, all of that, and you have it all. We're going to listen to the first song that I chose to play, which is called Tom and Sally's Waltz. I was immediately intrigued by the story that you have to tell as you are playing the fiddle. Tell us something about this song. There's a couple that I got to know when I, my first few years in Alaska, I hadn't been, uh, hadn't been there that long, but... I was a single guy, and I go, God, here's this couple that have gotten together. Tom Kazai, who's a, who's a wonderful writer, and then Sally Kamish, who was a wonderful fiddle player. And I thought, I'm doing it all myself, and here's a couple who's a writer and also a musician, fiddle player, who got together, got married, and in a sense, the poem and then the fiddle tune was a wedding present for them. Hmm. So, oh, that's lovely. It came to be. And, and in actuality, the poetry and the music are sort of a marriage together. So it is appropriate that you played this for them, metaphorically speaking. Let's listen to Tom and Sally's Waltz.
for Tom Kazaya and Sally Kabish. Maybe the perfect spot of land is made of trees, a floor of dusty, dark planks stomped on by dancers as they balance and swing to a New England fiddle soaring over a syncopated piano, the music a medley, two reels and a hornpipe. Or maybe the perfect spot of land is someone to jitterbug with, a partner who knows how to hold hands, support weight, look into eyes, who knows why. You've got to keep time to the music, that boogie-woogie bass, a clear, clean sax. Or maybe the perfect spot of land is a honeymooning couple, the first ones waltzing, starting a snowball within a solid ring of best friends. The music married to the sunlight that shines past 11 in the Alaska spring. Spy, please. Congratulations on your promotion, 001. Thank you, Halfpenny. I can't wait for my first assignment. Next week, when you come in, your first task, 001, is to throw your hat onto the coat rack as soon as you walk through the door. Okay. Just remember, you can never miss. Okay. Then, you have to come up with something clever to start a conversation about your current assignment. Okay. Then, you go into your meeting with F. That it? No. After the meeting, you have to gently wrap your arms around me as you kiss me softly about the face. What? All the while telling me the many ways we should be together, but leaving enough doubt that it will ever happen as I'm left in a woeful bliss of us being together some day, as I watch you walk out the door to some exotic destination that I will never go to, while I sit here loathing the thought that you falling into the arms of another woman. Or women. Are you sure about that last one? Yes. It's in your spy contract. Funny, I don't remember seeing it. That's because it's written in invisible ink. Oh, really? It has to be invisible. You're a spy. And if you get caught in a compromised situation, we don't want that information to fall into the wrong hands now, do we, 001? No, I guess not. Especially if it's you and me that are the ones in the compromising situation. Back off, 001. That train doesn't leave the station until next week. I'm afraid I'm going to have to report you to HR. Sorry, Halfpenny. It won't happen again. Yes, it will. Starting next week. So, should I wait on the hat throw, clever banter, and my meeting with F? 
Yes, but your meeting with Ep will happen today. He'll see you now. Welcome aboard, 001. Thank you, sir. 001, you are now part of the most elite spy force in the world. The CIA will tell you otherwise, but don't believe them. We are second to none. And don't ever forget that. Yes, sir. As you complete your training and climb the ladder within the organization, your assignments will become more dangerous and your weapons more deadly. Are you ready to accept your first mission assignment? Yes, I am, sir. Good. I'm sending you down to P. He'll give you all the gadgets you need to complete your first mission as a double-O agent. Here's your manila envelope marked secret. Don't let anyone view the contents of this packet or the fate of the free world will cease to exist as we know it. Do you understand? Yes, sir. With every fiber of my body, sir. Good to hear. Now, be a good little spy and sneak out of here without me seeing you. Good luck and Godspeed, 001. 001? Huh? Hello again, 001. Take the manila envelope marked secret with you to the super-secret spy elevator right around the corner, and once inside, press the large red button. That will take you to the lab, where P will outfit you with everything you need for your mission assignment. How will I know which elevator is the super-secret spy elevator? It'll be the one marked super-secret spy elevator. Oh, good. I can't wait. I hope he gives me one of those detonator bomb watches or a forty-five caliber fountain pen. That would be so cool. Yes, 001, that would be cool. Yeah, but you know what would be really cool? If I got an Aston Martin with missile launchers and an oil slick button. I hear those things corner real nice. If P does give you one, don't forget to promise me a ride. That'll never happen. Fair enough, Halfpenny. I have to go. P is waiting. Push the big red button. You must be 001. Good to meet you. Likewise, P. This is so exciting. What interesting little doodads do you have for me? A bulletproof suit? Holographic projection glasses? Perhaps one of those pinky rings that can cut through steel? Here you go, 001. All right. Three gadgets. Let me guess. The toilet bowl swab creates a smoke screen and doubles as a gun. The sponge, that when you squeeze it, turns into a hand grenade. And the two-gallon bucket that... That... Uh, what's the bucket for? B? To hold the toilet bowl swab and sponge while you're cleaning the restrooms. Oh, I get it. Wink, wink. <laughs> cleaning the restrooms is how I open the secret panel that allows me to escape out the back of the building without getting noticed. Genius, P. Pure genius. No, the restrooms are dirty and they need a good cleaning. Wait a minute. F gave me this manila envelope with instructions for my mission assignment. Your mission is to clean the restrooms. That envelope contains a map that shows the locations of all the laboratories here in the spy agency. But F told me if anyone were to view the contents of this packet that... The fate of the free world will cease to exist as we know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he tells all the new 001s. Then why is the manila envelope marked secret? This is a spy agency, kid. Everything here is 
secret. Now, come on, 001, time's a-wasting. Those restrooms aren't going to clean themselves. All right, we're back. And I'm intrigued by this. I'm intrigued by several things about you. One is you have several residences. You have two residences, from, from what I hear. One is in a remote part of the of this country. Well, yes and no. I mean, Alaska's far. And I've lived, I moved to Alaska in the mid-'80s for graduate school in a place called Fairbanks, which is in the interior. I've lived in Alaska. Fairbanks, I lived in Juneau, lived in Sitka, lived in Nome back to Juneau, and then Anchorage, which is my nominal residence now. And Anchorage, is, it's remote, but it's also the big city of Alaska. It's a, it's a community of 350,000 people, so, yeah. it's, so, so it's as remote as it is, it's not a small place. No. It's a good-sized city, and if you have money to fly out, you can fly out like any hour of the day, and there's planes going, not just to Seattle or other parts of Alaska, but you know, they have nonstop flights. I think you can flying nonstop to Los Angeles. I mean, I'm, I'm rarely in Alaska these days, but I was there full-time for a long time. But all the places that you've been in our country, what is your favorite area? I've loved being an Alaska resident. I have a second home these days around Lafayette, Louisiana. I, I love it there. The great art, great music scene, people who know the Cajun music or the Zydeco. Oh, um, I love it. really wonderful. You know, I mean, every place is wonderful in its way because especially when I'm going places, the people who I'm meeting are involved with either with the music community, the literary arts community, the education community. So I'm meeting wonderful people. And to me, it's about people everywhere I go. There's some places that I may be, you know, all things being equal, there may be more equal, but everywhere I go, I go with an open mind. I'd, I'd like to take an open heart and just go, well, here I am, and it's going to be wonderful. It may not be a place where I would maybe choose to live my whole life, but then even when I'm choosing places to live my life, I'm not there very much anyway. Every place is wonderful, Bree, I think. And so is the food, and this is my segue to your next song. And the song is called, I'm intrigued by this because I'm a foodie and I, I consider myself a gourmet cook. As a matter of fact, we have a cooking segment on our show. Oh, okay. um, Beulah is our cook. But this is called When Meat Was Meat. And let me say that again. When Meat Was Meat. Do tell me about this because, again, you're playing the fiddle and you are telling a story. I'm intrigued. It's a poem that was in one of my collections and I put the fiddle tune that I made up with the poem. It seemed to fit. And I remember early on when I it was played on, I want to say it was in Eugene, Oregon, and the host of the radio show just said, well, it's, it's amazing you're talking about your family. And I said, well, it's a poem, and poems can be, in a sense, fact, but poems can also be fiction. You can you can make up things. So it's not a true story. It's not my real family, but it's, it's as if a family. It was an exercise. I did an exercise with some postcards, and there was, I think, a postcard with some shuffleboard in a place in St. Petersburg, and there was, I think, another one with a cable car, and I think I started 1920 when meat was meat, which I guess when before there were meat substitutes or other protein things you could mm -hmm. eat that was meat-like, 
and it seemed like a simpler time and I made up a poem that I think was pretty successful and works with that particular fiddle tune with recorded it was with a friend of mine Mark Tamzula from Pittsburgh area who's a really fine fiddler and we decided to record it with just twin fiddles which even though it's not Cajun fiddling per se the way Mark was seconding it, it had a feel of uh, maybe Louisiana a little bit too I'm always fond of that tune and poem and how it was recorded. I think it worked out pretty well. So let's listen to this tune and poem called When Meat Was Meat. We'll be right back. Tyrese in St. Pete, Florida's sunshine town, played a mean cutthroat shuffleboard at Mirror Lake when the century was rickety rickety as a cable car climbing some San Francisco street. Her eyes shone, my grandma, prettiest female sweet in the history of Benji's fine time, Cajun cuisine. Her eyes like opals the moment she spotted him, her oldest dream, a real Frenchman, dashing out of that Louisiana rain to take an open table in her section. This young man, my grandpa, who ordered gumbo and jambalaya both, singing he had found the queen of queens, her honey breath layering the neatest, freshest, best-looking, most perfect helping of whiskey bread pudding he'd ever seen. grocery store, I'll get you both a popsicle. Yay! I want a grape popsicle. I want lime. Grocery shopping is fun, right kids? Popsicles! Lime. Grape! And pretty fruit and vegetables and yummy chicken. Yay! Uh, <laughs> I'm getting hungry. Me too. Me three. Okay kids, here we are. Grocery village. Yay! Yeah. Okay, let's see. First, we have to find a nice parking space. Yeah! yeah. Look at all the cars, Mommy! Mm, I know many, many cars. There are lots of people going to the grocery village. Mommy needs to find a teeny tiny spot for our SUV. Yes! Spot. See Mommy trying to find spot. No spot there. 
beat up junk car that cost 50 bucks is parked there. Junk! 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 junk. A motorcycle taking up two spots sideways is parked there. <laughs> oh, funny, funny, a hoot. Oh, oh, there's one. Oh. What's wrong with that spot, Mommy? That spot is reserved for people who have a difficult time walking, like Gammy. Can't take that spot. No, Mommy. Don't park there. Gammy needs to park there. Leave that spot for Gammy. I will. So... When are we getting our popsicles? Still looking for a tiny place to park SUV. Ooh, there's one. Yay! Oh, no. Parking for expectant mothers. Some of them. Oh, can't park there. Only for mommies who are going to have babies. We have babies. Yes, but your baby's on the outside, not on the inside. So, Mommy keeps driving. Come on, Mommy! Soon. It better be soon. There's a spot. Oh, can't park in that spot either. Why, Mommy? Reserve parking for Employee of the Month. Is that good or bad? Yes, honey, that's good. It means some brown-nose SOB can park in my spot. You know what, kids? Who wants to go to Cheesy Bob's Burgers? I thought we were getting popsicle. Don't you talk back to me, young lady. It's Cheesy Bob's or nothing. Yay! Yay! Cheesy Cheesy Bob's Bob's Burgers! Burgers. Tonight, cheesy. Tomorrow, the online. No more village groceries for us. Right, kids? Right. It takes a village my foot. Give me delivery. And I am back again with Ken Waldman, an amazing fiddle player, amazing businessman, a poet, a writer. This next song that we're going to be playing is called Burnt Down House. Now, it does take place in Alaska, and it seems like you are meeting a friend who is usually in chipper mood and is a musician. Is this a true story? That is uh, definitely truer uh, and pretty true with it that he was, when I tell the story as that recording has with it, I do all these in various ways. This was recorded not live, but as if live, telling a story. I often say, well, this is a happy music, playing this old-time traditional string band music, and people play it are pretty happy, and there's one fella, when I saw him, who I know was not happy, and as it happened, you know, the burnt-down house is his cabin on Douglas Island, Juneau, Juneau, Alaska, but there's an island across from Juneau called Douglas, in a cabin, and it was a fire, and in his case, lost everything, or virtually everything, and he had really fine music instruments and the fire took those instruments in the next week and weeks as people were in a tight-knit community people try to make things right though his name's jack fontanella as people found jack place to live as people raised some money and got him a guitar i a few weeks later was leading a writing workshop and my thought was I wondered what those instruments, these really nice instruments, they didn't just disappear, but they disappeared making last noises of when they were burning and turning into the nothing into the air. They made last sounds, and I tried to honor that and make up a poem 
and I did, and then some weeks or maybe a few months later, asked him permission if he wanted a, a fiddle tune to go along with the poem, and he said, okay, and that's what he got, burnt down house with the poem and the fiddle tune. That is incredibly visual. I was getting a little goosebumps as you were telling me this. All right, so let's listen to Burnt Down House, this amazingly visual, beautiful music that Ken Waldman has written. old-time music is happy music, and people who play it are usually pretty happy, too. Even if you're not in a good mood, you play this, you're pretty happy. And I was living in Juneau, Alaska, and I was in the post office one day, and I saw one of my friends who plays this kind of music. His name's Jack Fontanella, and he's usually really pretty happy. I saw him in the post office, and he was not looking happy. And I said, Jack, how are you doing? And he said, not so good. I said, not so good. He said, yeah, house burned down. And two days before I saw him, there was a fire. His house burned down and he lost all his musical instruments. And I thought about that for a while. And a few weeks after that, I sat down and I wrote a poem. It's called Burnt Down House for Jack Fontanella. The night of the cabin fire in the midst of cupboards and kitchenware, closets and clothes, when the flames came picking. Like to think how the two guitars, mandolin, banjo, bass, and fiddle might have jumped out of their skins a moment to make the craziest, most raucous caterwauling noise. Enough riotous jabberwock to fuel a dozen generations of old time string bands before slipping back into maple to smoke hot and right. The instrument's last bright Denali Festival of Sound. Well, I wrote that poem and I gave a copy to Jack who, well, I heard he had it on the refrigerator, the new house he was living in, and he, I heard he liked the poem. And I saw him, it was a month or two after that, and we talked about how he liked the poem. And I said, Jack, if you want, I make up fiddle tunes. I'll make up one for you called Burnt Down House if you want. And he said, okay. So what you're hearing is the tune I made up and it even has a little song to go with it.
This is so beautiful. I know. And it is affordable, right? Well, as affordable as we can afford without going hungry. So then you think? Yes, I think we should join. Oh, honey, you made me so happy. Well, never say I don't do anything for you. I never will. So, Mr. and Mrs. Covert, you had time to think about joining our friendly yacht club. Have you made a decision? We decided to sign in the dotted line. Why, that's marvelous. You will love it here. Everyone is so congenial. Let's go to my desk. Just sign here. 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 That's a lot of signing. Just routine. You know how red tape is. <laughs> I sure do. Yes, yes. Just two more places, here and here. Great. Now we have your binders, your social security numbers, your birth certificates, your mortgage and insurance information, your organ donations, and your future savings and bank account statements, and permission for weekly homeland security checks. Welcome to the friendliest club on the lake. Now, let me introduce you to the Commodore. Mr. and Mrs. Covert, this is Rudy Tenacious. Rudy will show you the ropes. Welcome, welcome. So, you folks are new to the club, I see. Uh, yes, yes, we yes. are. We love our new members. We treat them with love. Let's go over to our exclusive restaurant. It is beautiful. Oh, I love the gourmet menu. Ah, yes, it is an award-winning menu. Four stars. Oh. Dinner for new members like yourselves is between 6 and 9 on every other Friday and Saturday evening. You're only allowed to eat in the dining room on the right-hand corner behind the bar. There are occasions when we have private catered affairs on every other Friday and Saturday, which indeed may coincide with your availability, but that only happens a dozen or so times a season. But the season is only 20 weeks. Yeah. You're allowed to bring a bag lunch and sit outside, of course. We're proud of our friendly flexibility around here. You can sit anywhere outside by the lake. Except there, 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 and of course there. But everywhere else... Wait, the only place you didn't point out was the bench by the dumpster. Surely you don't expect us to eat by that stench. Look it, you don't have to eat anywhere if you don't want to, buddy, my friend. Now, you do have a boat, right? Uh, yes, we do. How big? It's average, about the same size as the majority of the boats docked here. So then, you want to slip? Yes, we do need to slip. After all, that's why we joined. You know there's an extra charge for a slip. Yes, we paid it. And you need full membership? Yes, paid. Well, then you can have that slip over there. Where? There. But we were told we could have the slip over there. There? <laughs> Hardly. I dock over there. And I dock there because I like my privacy. Excuse me? This is a yacht club. The boats are packed right next to each other. Your point? Well, that one has a lovely view. And all the other ones are pretty much taken. Except that other one there. Well, I can see why that one is not taken. That's a wind tunnel. Our boat would be smashed in five minutes. Don't be silly. Then why isn't anyone there? And is that half a hull sticking out of the water? Oh, oh, we're clearing that out. It's nothing. Well, we were promised to slip next to you. 
There's no electrical outlet over there. That's not a problem. We can call an electrician to put one in. Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry, madam. Our own electricians have to put it in. We have someone here on the premises. Well, that's fine then. How soon can it be done? I'm afraid not this season. He's currently in the Bahamas. Well, can anyone else do it? I'm afraid not. All our batteries will die. Well, fortunately, <laughs> that's not our concern. It's in the contract. Why are you laughing? That's not funny. Are you being snippy with me, madam? We only deal with friendly and polite people here. That does it. Let's go. Well, I see you're back. Yes, you're darn right we're back. We want our money back. We don't want to be part of your friendly atmosphere anymore. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But unfortunately, the money is non-refundable. You signed under the dotted line. Non-refundable? That's right. We don't refund any money. But that's highway robbery. You are wrong, sir. We are not part of the highway system. Let's go and call our lawyer. I'm sorry you can only use our lawyer. <laughs> He's a member. I'll have him call you when he gets back from Europe. You should hear from him in about six months. Oh, ah, go to... Well, that wasn't very friendly, was it? Well, we are at the last part of our segment, Ken, and I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you being on our show. It's always a pleasure meeting people who are dynamic, but you take the spectrum of dynamic. Uh -huh. Well, well, thank you for the kind words. I'm honored to be here on the show. I am very honored that you are here. This next song and the final song that we are going to be playing, I will be getting into in a second. But I just want to tell our listening audience that Ken Waldman's website is linked to our website on kbcabaret.com. And you can find out all about him and anything that any tour that he's going on or the things that he is selling in his store. And it is going to be linked to our kbcabaret.com. That's K-B-K-A-B-A-R-E-T.com. So the final song, Ken, that we are going to be playing, well, it reminds me of a Shel Silberstein poem, and it's called A Week in Eek. It's funny, and it's clever, and it is, again, played with the strings behind. So tell me about the inspiration for this particular song called A Week in Eek. Oh, I can tell you exactly what happened with this is that as a long-time Alaska resident, I've done a lot of stuff in rural Alaska native villages, and there is a village called Eek, E-E-K, it's an uh -huh. Eskimo village. There was a principal at, at the school there, every village has a school, and I remember this is a, this is a while ago, this is back in the 90s, and so his name was Dave Warren, and he got the idea that instead of having some sport to have kids travel as they, as they did, he'd have a, a writer's an author's festival, Eek Authors Festival, and I was invited four different times for that. But how this particular fiddle tune and poem came to be, I was in Anchorage. There's In January every year, there's an Anchorage Folk Festival, and I was on stage on a Sunday night, and when I'm on stage, I don't just play and do the poems. I talk, tell a story or two, and I was explaining what I'd be doing the next which was going from Anchorage to get to the airport, to fly from Anchorage to a, a community called Bethel, and then I'm from Smaller, which was Eek. And I said, I'm going to be in Eek for a week. And when I said that on stage, I said, uh-oh, I think I'd better write a poem called A Week in Eek. <laughs> and it took some months to do justice, and as you hear the poem, I 
kind of, I didn't put every eek sound that I could, but I certainly put a bunch in in a short bit of time, you know, kids in sneakers squeaking across the eek school gym floor, streaking towards baskets, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I made up the poem, and then it felt like it needed a playful little tune to go with it, and came up with a tune that fits, and between Burnt Down House and We Can Eat, those are originals of mine, and I do them an awful lot, so I, I'm happy that I was able to share them with you, and that you're going to have them on the show here. I am very happy that you're sharing this with all of us, myself, the listening audience, and actually the whole country. So I want to, again... From the bottom of my heart, thank you, Ken, for being on our show. Ken Waldman, ladies and gentlemen. You're welcome. And we will be leaving with this wonderful, clever, funny song called A Week in Eek. This is Bree Harvey. See you next time on the radio. writer, a place called Eek, I'm going to write about it. First time I was there, it was over Valentine's Day. So I wrote a poem called, This Valentine's Day I Write You From Eek. And I went back to Eek. There was an Eek Authors Festival, and I was first in Anchorage. I was on stage. I was playing my fiddle. And I was talking to everybody, and I was saying how the next day I was flying from Anchorage to Bethel, Bethel to Eek, and I'd be there for a week. And I said I better write a poem called A Week in Eek. So here it is, A Week in Eek. Kids in sneakers squeaking across the Eek school gym floor, streaking towards baskets, or else sneaking out of class to steal a joke, or a peek at uncles or cousins' sleep new Arctic cat. Meek kids, cheeky kids, rural chic kids, geeks, kids that speak weakened Yupik and village English at leaks articles. The and uh in particular making language go creep. So nice. Eek winter days, not quick, not slow, just a dark, freaky trick like the snaky bow of a rogue bachelor gussock playing fiddle those decades back. Unique eek. Where weeks pass in a day, an hour last weeks. Times as wild as any. Dr. Seuss might seek. So I wrote that poem a week in Eek, and then I was invited back to another Eek Authors Festival. And it was on my birthday, my 43rd birthday, so I wrote a poem called 43rd Birthday Eek. YK Delta Creeks on the cusp of slushy, clouds on truce for a day. I flew once more to that village near the mouth of the Kuskokwim. I, it means, in Yupik, though no one could say if I referred to those few good yards of elevation in vast white flatlands or its spot amidst water. Eek, I say in English. Eek, like a mouse or small bird. Eek, like an echo. Eek, like screechy fiddle. Eek, like a high school kid with pencil vexed at the intricacies of language. Eek, eek, like a sixth grader in sleeping bag jabbering to a pal after lights out. Eek, eek, the reply. Eek, eek, fireworks sizzling or fizzling. Eek, 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 my third consecutive year, a celebration of ice cream and cake, candles, many young friends whose names I'll never know.
that's all for today's show. I'd like to thank all of our guests for being on KB Cabaret. I'm always awed with the amazing talent out there. Thank you to my hardworking crew, co-workers, and actors John Kerry, John Montgomery, actors Junie McMahon, and Bonnie DeForest. My amazing sound engineer and actor, newlywed, Charles Berman. His assistant, Valentine Monfuega. My music engineer, David Rice of Basement Studios, who <laughs> makes me sound better than I am. And a special shout-out to Christina Dilnella, who plays one mean piano and now works in musical theater in New York City. Of course, a special thank you to you, dear KB Cabaret audience, for stopping by and listening to our show. We certainly couldn't do this without you. If any of you have a hankering to write or sing for our show, contact me, Bree Harvey, through the show submission page. Let me see what you've got. And sponsors, you want your name heard by over 150,000 listening audience members all over the country and as far as Australia? <laughs> Hello, mates. Then KB Cabaret is the place to be. Just give me a shout-out on kbcabaret.com. That's K-B-K-A-B-A-R-E-T.com. I'm Bree Harvey, head writer and producer of KB Cabaret. See you next week on the radio. Thank you for coming, coming to stay a while. Thank you for coming to spend some time. We'd love to have you and share our parlor city. Come back again now to KB Cabaret.